1: did god write the constitution and then why are younger pastors more likely to say they struggle with mental health issues issues you're listening to the common good everybody, happy Monday, welcome to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope For Your Life, alongside Aubrey Sampson. My name is Brian Fromm. Really glad to have you with us on a beautiful Monday afternoon. Aubrey, it is the Monday. It's- this isn't true for my kids, but... There are a lot of high schools in the area actually going back to school. I drove by uh, Elk Grove High School right here, Uh right very close. Yes. And there are kids everywhere. They clearly started. uh, And I saw on social media, the oldest Samson uh, boy started. How does that feel?
2: Samson started today. It's pretty wild because my other kids don't start and they're very late. They're not until after Labor Day. And so, I don't know, it felt weird in my house this morning. Like one got up. He walks to school, so he just sort of like, was like, we'll see ya. And then later his brothers got out of bed and they were like, where's Eli? And I'm like, he's at school. (laughs) They're like, what? I'm like, yeah, he started school. So it felt a little anticlimactic. I did make him, you know, let me take like a, the obligatory yes. first year of school in front of the door picture but it was a little sort of like oh i guess school's starting now i don't know it's very just strange Feels so early strange. it yeah. feels
1: so early although early. as you know uh two weeks from now we'll be you know we'll just be playing funeral dirges and all of this stuff because i will be taking my first daughter <laughs> so i will have, sad. i will have just taken my daughter to college but none of my kids are done but it's funny she's saying goodbye to all her friends. They're going to college. She's like kind of the last one to leave. So it's back to school time. We are at that time of year. Then it's going to be fall, and let's just keep this train moving. Glad that you're with us today. All right, Aubrey, you and I talk often on this show about uh, Christians and politics. And I think sometimes we struggle to help people understand uh, why we think it's dangerous mm-hmm. where are the subtleties yeah. uh God bless America right like all of this stuff like why is this a problem and i I heard something from a politician over the weekend this is Dan Patrick, not the sportscaster Dan Patrick but the lieutenant governor I believe that's what he is in Texas okay uh speaking at a rally speaking at, you know to a group of people and he's trying to talk about as often is the case, as you know, especially in the South, like people want to say this party loves God, this one doesn't. Yes. But I want you to hear what he said at the end of this clip. Let's take a listen. 95%
0: of conservatives believe in God. Okay. 95%. 72% of Democrats believe in God. Only 67% of liberals believe in God. And sadly... Only 60-some percent of young people believe in God. We were a nation founded upon not the words of our founders, but the words of God because he wrote the Constitution. He empowered them. We were a Christian state, and we've been blessed because of that for so many years.
1: So do what you will with the 65% is this, 95% is this. But he said... We were founded on Christian principles. We can argue that, mm-hmm. right? We can argue sure. with what exactly the earliest people were trying to do. I think, <laughs> right? But talk to me about the danger of God wrote the Constitution. He kind of clarified a little bit, right? He, he softened a little bit by like he inspired uh-huh. them. He, he this did. And that. He softened it a little. bit. But let's be honest. He used very yeah. biblical authorship language. Yeah, inspiration. Yeah, uh, God's word. All of this stuff, not towards the Bible, right? but towards the Constitution. Before you react, Bob Roberts, who is a pastor I think we both respect, out of Texas, actually, he said this on Twitter. As a proud Texan with deep roots and an evangelical pastor... This isn't just wrong or bad theology, but pure and simple heresy. The Bible is what God inspired, wrote, and gave as the ultimate written authority for man, not our Constitution, as good as it may be. All right, take it. Dan Patrick says he talks about inspiration of the Constitution.
2: I think this is, Bob Roberts Jr. gets at what I was just thinking, which is, I I have such a problem when people act like the constitution is the bible mm-hmm. or is um inspired equal to the bible and I feel like that's what Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick just said mm-hmm. that the bible now I'm putting words in his mouth but a fair assumption based on his statement is that the bible and the constitution are like side by side equal documents and that is problematic because it's I mean I am just repeating what Bob Roberts is saying here. It's not just bad theology, but it is heresy. It mm-hmm. is wrong. And I think here's where this becomes problematic. Ultimately is because again, what we're seeing is a idolatry of an American document, American way of life, our nation, where we're lifting it up. This piece of paper written by man, again, a good piece of paper. We're not trying to say like down with the constitution. We're not saying that at all, Mm -hmm. but to lift it up the same as the inspired word of God is idolatry, period, period. Uh, And, and it's wrong. I mean, I feel a little bit at a loss for words because it's just so baffling to me that somebody would say
1: this. And, and here's what's bothersome about this conversation is often if you say – if you disagree with a statement like that, somehow you're anti-American or you're anti-Constitution. Yeah. I think the Constitution of the United States is one of the single most important and well-done do- documents that man has ever made. Sure. But the key part of that of that equation is that man has ever made. Yeah. It is not yeah. infallible. Right. It has been uh, tweaked. It has been yeah. put up for judgment. It has been other things uh, like Bob Roberts said. He said, as good as it may be, implying the Constitution good. is good. Yes. We're uh, You and I, we talk about patriotism, right? Fly the flag, do all this stuff. But when God language enters into uh, the political dialogue and the dialect as in like this is God's chosen country or you should vote for this political party because they've kind of cornered the market on God right or that God wrote the Constitution right. therefore if you disagree with anything in the Constitution mm. then you're disagreeing with God. Mm. I think you can start to unroll these this once again gets at what you and I have talked about a million times the the um, the uh, bringing together of of God and America while while we can love America is really dangerous because yeah. it, it it puts authority in the wrong yeah. places yeah it, it it calls into question whether to be able to go well I'm patriotic so therefore I want to call this into question mm-hmm. or that mm-hmm. and and I just think hopefully people can see it up there to say that God wrote the Constitution in and then use it like well he inspired those who wrote no God inspired. The The apostles to write the Bible and that that becomes our guiding document, if you will. That becomes our guiding uh, word. And
2: maybe this isn't a fair comparison because I understand that any book I write as Aubrey Sampson is not the same as the Constitution. So let me be clear about that. And yet it's it is similar to me saying, well, I'm a Christian. God inspired me to write my books. Therefore, my books are the God God inspired words. Well, Mm -hmm. okay. do God and I partner together? Is God at work in my life? Is it, sure, but to say that like it therefore my BICs have ultimate authority in anyone's life is so deeply problematic. None of us would say it like we all, and such is true for the constitution. Again, we love our country. We're grateful for the constitution. Great document. It has been amended so many times, which is a great part of it, but we don't amend God's word. Mm. You know what I mean?
1: And therein lies the danger. You, you use the important word and that was the word authority. I think when we flippantly throw, god behind things Mm. as in like god inspired this or think about the many pastors who have done that i'm god's chosen vessel for this yeah anytime you do this then therefore if i don't uh follow this to all the way then i'm then i'm not rejecting that person or that document i'm rejecting god God almighty and that's why this is really dangerous i wish our politicians would get up and go listen this guy he's a conservative i wish he'd get up here go I think this is why the liberals, why the left yeah, are wrong. Let right. me tell you why. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you why we have a better idea that might even, in my opinion, line more up with the Constitution mm. as opposed to going, hey, us conservatives, we 95% of us believe in God. What's that even
2: mean? Well, yeah, what does that even And mean? only
1: 60% of them. What does that even We've mean? got the Constitution, which God wrote. They are don't. You know? yeah. And you start to go. Why are we wielding God as the club here? Mm. Why are we wielding God Mm. as the weapon that if you disagree with me, this is the height of the church abuse scandals that we see. You disagree with me. You turn me away. Whatever. You're doing that to God. And, And that's just, we do not have that right.
2: It does feel like, Brian, I mean, it's interesting you say that, like wielding the God club, because it seems like we've covered a few stories recently where people have just like sort of pulled the God card. Yeah. And used God to their own advantage to promote their own agenda. And most of the times we find that they're like wildly unbiblical Mm -hmm. agendas, but even if they're not, I think to do that is really to lose, I think, the fear of God. And then ultimately for the Christian, coming back to this comment about the Constitution, it's ultimately to forget, again, whose kingdom we belong to, Mm
0: -hmm. the kingdom
2: of Jesus His word, his authority, his way, his salvation as what we worship, not the Constitution of the United States of America.
1: That's right. And so you might think, some people out there, that we overblow this. These are the reasons. Like we've got to be careful about where we invoke God's authority and and how we do that. We must do that carefully. We're off and running today here on a Monday afternoon. Coming up next. An interesting article out of Christianity Today that says this, younger pastors out there are more likely to admit to and say publicly that they struggle with mental illness. Hmm. Why is that? And do we think that's a good thing? We're going to talk about that next year on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life.
0: You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, hope for your life.
1: Welcome back to the Common Good. AM eleven sixty. Hope for your life alongside Aubrey Sampson. My name is Brian Fromm. I started to come in there, and then the, the music just went. Yeah, I was in. I'm this. like kicking my foot. I'm dancing. This is a good time. It's a beautiful Monday afternoon here in the Chicagoland area. We're glad that you're with us today. Hope you're having a great day. If you've missed any of our show today or you missed last week, you want to catch up? Go get the podcast wherever it is you get your podcast. Just subscribe, rate, review. I like how
2: you said that. You just went. Podcast. Go, why, like why, just why? Like a why nice suggestion? It? Yeah.
1: It, it feels like a, a lot less intimidating when you go higher octaves. I, I
2: agree. Just, I agree. Just go get the podcast.
1: Uh, <laughs> All so, of a sudden, you're, like a,
2: New York, <laughs> you're I, like a New York
1: gangster's friend.
2: Who's helping out?
1: Just go get the podcast. <laughs> Subscribe, rate, review. You could also find us online at 1160hope.com, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, soon to be TikTok. Maybe we'll get on the YouTube
2: uh be real be real i was just asking you about these days are on can't keep
1: up with them but you go go follow us wherever it is uh you do all right speaking of social media aubrey let me here you got to work with me here
2: okay okay there's uh,
1: i was gonna not give the guy's name but i might as well he wrote it a guy named kyle howard Mm -hmm. uh very active on twitter yep and deals a lot with spiritual trauma. In fact, if you look at his Twitter bio, he says this historical theologian, preacher and trauma informed soul care provider. Current work emphasizes racial and spiritual trauma for kids and married. Uh, and you and I have commented that that Kyle Howard, we don't know him at all. But um, when he tweets, it's usually lately, especially uh, has an edge to it towards the church, towards specific pastors, whatever else. It yeah. might be. Is that fair?
2: I would say that's fair. Interestingly, I feel like I need to throw this out here. Not knowing you and I have been having this conversation specifically about uh, Kyle Howard my husband the other day was like, I love the things he's saying on Twitter. And I was like, really? Brian and I are kind of questioning a few things. So it's interesting. I think he's yeah. meeting some people isn't meeting other people.
1: He is doing important work. I just don't like the routes he goes sometimes. Yeah. And yeah. what he wrote yesterday just bothered me. And tell me if this should have bothered me. Okay. okay? And I'll okay. tell you why it bothered me. Okay. Let me read it. He also writes really long threads. But uh, let, let me read He's three tweets in a row. So stay with me. He goes, today is Sunday, the day you used to look forward to going to church. Now it is really hard for you to get out of bed or even to look at a Bible. The place you thought was the safest turned out to be the most unsafe. Dear person, God is not disappointed in you right now. God knows your body. He knows your soul and your mind better than you ever could. He understands with an exhaustive knowledge the trauma and pain that makes today uniquely hard for you. He mourns with you. His love isn't contingent upon you making it to a building this morning. If all you can do this morning or today is lay under your covers, God will lay with you, hold you, and will anoint your bed his temple. Spiritual abuse brings so much pain and loss, but it will never cost you God. The Lord will never leave you. You are his beloved church. All right. There is some good things. in yeah, that, yeah. Right. Like, I want to acknowledge that people have are wounded. People Absolutely. have been wounded. Absolutely. And he is speaking to those people. Yeah. With that said. Yeah. There seems to be a um, people giving a lot of advice lately of. Hey, if you've ever been hurt in church, be done with church.
2: Totally, the just, church. Uh, yeah,
1: stand to your covers. Yeah, you're the church. Right. Go for a walk today. The, the if trees you look are at the, your church. If you look at the replies, yeah. it's a lot of thank you for this. My husband mm-hmm. and I, we just went for a walk, and that was church today. Yeah. I think there's a misunderstanding. I get you. I get people who feel the need to say the church is not a building. But the church also isn't whatever you want it to be.
2: Yeah, I, I think that's ultimately the key because I actually really was like, oh, this is so powerful. He's really ministering to people. And all of a sudden when he said, um, I mean, I'm, I'm reading through the tweet, you are his beloved church. I I think this is sort of the problem of individualism, right? Is the church is not you lying in bed. The church is not nature outside. Now, is God with you lying in your bed? Yes. Is God in the nature he created? Yes. Can you connect with God in those places? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Is the church in a building? No. But at the end of the day, the church is a body of believers, a people that God has chosen for himself. And so I think, and actually, like, I wish he would have just said, yes, all these same things. And also, I hope one day you can find a healthy Christian community to be a part of. Yes. That, I, just just go a little bit further instead of just giving people permission, like, never to explore church again.
1: Yes, yes. This felt like, hey, you don't need the church. The church has been bad. To you. There's a lot of bad churches out there that have yeah. done a lot of bad things. Yeah. It's, it's still God's vehicle today to further his kingdom. Like, yeah. the church is not an optional thing. So I— if he had said, "Listen, take the day, stay in bed," but hey, God my so pray- loves
2: you, God is with you, all those things.
0: Yes. But
1: my prayer for you is that is that in your longing for a new church, in your long that you will find a healthy community. I guess sometimes I just feel like we are. I, we often use the phrase "swing the pendulum too far," so uh, forgive me for overusing it, but I'm going to use it again. That the pendulum has been swung to, and hey, don't worry about church. Yeah, it's kind of optional. Don't yeah. worry about it. Yeah. And I want to be like, listen, like there are so many good churches out there and so many pastors who are really trying for the right reasons. Like mm-hmm. go invest in one of those. Totally. And not everything needs to be a rejection of the church. I don't think rejecting the church ever ends up in a good spot. Rejecting an individual church could put you in a really healthy spot. Mm-hmm. But the, go- the answer to that then is not, and therefore I'm done with the church for good
2: yeah, I feel like I, I I'm seeing this so often. and i I started to see it a few years ago in some like Christian literature that was coming out where it was just like, okay, the church has been bad or the church, not even the church has been toxic and abusive, but the church isn't what you want it to be. Therefore, just give up on the church. And at the end of the day, i I feel like it is missing out on the fact that, the church is God's dream. Like, this, the church is not this like man made thing that somebody came up with. Now, maybe the forms, the models can be debated, but at the end of the day, like, God has always been building for himself a people, and those people are meant to encourage each other and worship Jesus together and be transformed and transform the world around them together. And we need one another so deeply. And so, I, I, I just, I don't want to hear a message again and again and again that's just like, give up on the church altogether, the church has failed, blah, blah, blah. No, go, like you said, go and find the faithful pastors, the faithful churches. No church is perfect. Find the faithful one and invest there, and you will see how God will show up in powerful
1: ways. And again, I want to be sensitive and say maybe the answer is after a break. Take some... Good go point. find a yes, church, but there yes. feels like a lot of like almost trendiness of like,
2: There is Brian. I
1: don't need to go to church. Right. I don't need, you do, you do need the church yeah. now you need a healthy church, yeah. but you need the church. Well, let's, I would say too, and the church needs you. 100%. I mean, I
2: think that's part of it too, is like, it's not just what you can get, but what you can give. And honestly, I think people who are hurting and have known pain have a lot of compassion and empathy to bring to churches. And so, like you said, take the time you need for healing. Like, we're not saying, like, ignore your pain, get out there. But, like, after a time, then challenge yourself to get out there. Ask God for help to get out there. Take the brave step Mm -hmm. and find a church that you can bring something to the table there and you can uh, receive some of the gifts that the church has for you as well
1: yeah we we are the first to say the church is flawed but there's also this cottage industry going up right now of just ripping the church like all churches are bad all pastors are power hungry yeah all churches are abusive and yet if you're in one of the churches get out of it Mm -hmm. and do what you need to do to get healthy and Mm -hmm. and this but but hold out that carrot I guess I would say of and then at some point I'm going to go find a healthy church to invest in and to be a part of and and let's not be people who are just tearing it down um again like you it feels like walking like a little ledge here like a fine line we want to uh, we want to say that, that not way. all churches yeah. are good and but man let's not give up on it right that's it don't give up on I it i
2: think that's it don't give up on it and and i'm just I, maybe we're talking in circles here, Brian, but I am just—I am increasingly weary about this. Like you said, a cottage industry of tearing the church down, tearing the church down, tearing the church down. Because I feel like it—it it lacks some empathy towards the church. But I also think there's not a lot of fear of God in it. And again, mm. this is where I go back to like, this is God's deal. This is not our deal. Now, have we screwed it up? Do we need help? Yes. But I'm saying the same thing you're saying. Don't give Don't up. Don't
1: give up yeah. on the church. Yeah. And if you're leading a church, let's make sure to do it well. That's good. Do it for God's glory and not all the bad ways that a lot of churches have yeah. gone. So mm. we believe in the church. That's kind of what we like to keep saying here on the show. Well, speaking of that, coming up next, Aubrey, a little bit of a fun list. Top 10 post-pandemic reasons Guests do not return to your church. They did some secret shopper kind of stuff. What causes people to go, I'm not going back to that place. Mm -hmm. Going to do that next year on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. You are listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, hope for your life. Hey, friends. Welcome back to The Common Good, AIM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. Glad to have you with us on a Monday afternoon. I forgot to mention, Aubrey, you were just out of town. I
2: was just out of town. Nashville. I was in Nashville, Tennessee, visiting some family and uh, had a great time until I had to drive back yesterday and hit that traffic in Indianapolis and wanted to die. Uh,
1: so a couple questions for you. First my experience is anyone who leaves chicago for nashville doesn't come back
2: there yeah there were a lot of people trying to get me to move out there and a lot of actually ex-chicago people i hung out with while i was there it's really? pretty entertaining <laughs> yeah everyone is moving to nashville
1: but no word from our old friend ian simpkins
2: no and i you know i was gonna go visit his church yesterday but i was honestly ready to get home so i was gonna like pop in and surprise him
1: but... did you skip church
2: I did. I skipped church on Sunday. I drove. I drove we, my kids home. We
1: need like a buzzer that goes off here. Just meow,
2: meow. <laughs> the car was my church. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Go listen to our last
1: segment. <laughs> uh Do you, Kevin, normally go to church on uh, on vacation? No judgment here, because I, I, I guess I will tell you, I do not.
2: Yeah, it's, it kind of depends on the city we're in. Like sometimes, if we're in a city where there's a church we've wanted to visit, or we have a friend who's a pastor, we go. But if we're if not, we don't. Like, we don't go searching out just some random I church. do
1: find to, it kind of impressive, the people who are like, my family goes to church, we just open up the... Yeah, we, no, we don't We Google don't do and that. we go, yeah. I was like, I need a week off, like... <laughs> Is something <laughs> I'm different. sleeping in. That no. is funny. My- I, I
2: like I like visiting other churches though, because we rarely get to as pastors. So it's fun to like pop in and be like, oh, this is what it's like to just like attend a church.
1: I also remember my family grew up going when I was a kid, we'd go to the outer banks of North Carolina every, every summer with another family. Yeah. Uh from our church and Every year we'd go to the same little church, really, and That's like you it was fun. weird because you end up being like getting to know the pastor yeah. so uh, it it is interesting, well, that brings up visitors to the church. you and I are both pastors, and we always think to ourselves, you know, I love seeing first time guests." This is another pastor in this article by Tom Rainer was quoted as saying, we love seeing first-time guests, but we really love seeing second-time guests. <laughs> right. We know those folks are serious about connecting with our church. That's always the question. Yeah. What causes a first-time guest to come back? Okay. But more often than not, what causes a first-time guest to not come back?
0: Interesting. So Tom
1: Rainer over at Church Answers uh, he ca- he wrote about 10 re- top 10 reasons from guests before the pandemic as to why they would not go back, why they don't go back to a church. All right. So that's what it is. They, OK, what causes it's almost like the secret shopper. Right. They yeah. went they went to various people who visited churches and said, what caused you to go back? What would cause you not to go back? I want you to think before you look at it, maybe you already have, what are some that come to mind for you?
2: You know, unfortunately I've already, I've already looked looked at at it, it. but I will say the first one cracks me up. Here's why. So the first one is I will not return to a church that has a stand and greet time. We heard from over a thousand guests, 90% of them gave this response. So, My husband loves this time. And I'm always like, babe, I don't know if you should do it like for post COVID and for the extroverts.
1: So, so does Kevin. I love it. And I, I, but I also, I also know this data. Yeah. yeah. But yesterday at church, I was like, hey, before you sit down, why don't you go Go turn and and say hi to the person around you? Like, I'm like, that's the best. Yeah.
2: Okay. So, so that one is that funny one. that this on here, but we do this at Renewal Church. I'm about to send this article to our staff and be like, uh, y'all, Look I think number we're about we to think some things.
1: Number two is important, but a little more generic. The people are unfriendly. Most church members think their church is friendly because the members are friendly to each other. Mm. Many guests felt like they were treated like unwanted outsiders. Okay. How yeah. do you break that away? I don't. That's. I get that, but I also don't know what to do there.
2: Yeah, I actually think there has to be. This is this is like a kind of a sticking point for me. There has to be some intentionality, and I would say your church needs to have a team of people. That's the quote host team, newcomer team, welcoming team, whatever language you want to give it, and that that team of people is intentional about looking for new people, greeting new people, having conversations with new people, and they don't care about their friends, their best friends. Like they just yeah. ignore the their best friends and make sure they're welcoming new people. Part of that, they need to get there early because new people get, get to church early, early and uh, nobody else does. And so you need to have like someone in your home, quote yeah. unquote, to welcome them and host them. But I think unless you're intentional... People don't go looking for outside.
1: That's right. That's right. Number three, I could not leave my child in the children's area. It was filthy mm. and unsafe. This concern has grown since the pandemic. Yeah. I think children's ministry, obviously, this goes without saying, for people with children, Number one thing, whether they're going to, they could think that was yep. the greatest sermon, the greatest music, yep. the people were so kind. Yep. If their kids do not enjoy it or more than that, they don't feel like their kids are safe never coming yep. back.
2: A hundred percent. You hear people say that all the time. Yep. You can have the worst church service ever, but if your kids ministry, your your kids want to go, done and done.
1: done. Number four. I could not find any information on the church. <laughs> Even though most of the guests visited the website, they were still looking for an information center or persons to give them more information. I struggle with this one. I I, I, th- I wonder, I'm not sure my church does this one well.
2: Well, I thought, I, that's why I'm laughing a little bit. I don't know if you heard me, Brian, but I feel like some of this is so condemning. Like, oh, I think our our church website i think someone's updating it <laughs> <You> <laughs>
1: that's the next one <laughs> the next one the church website was either terrible or it did not exist
0: oh, Yeah.
1: this issue is more of a first-time guest issue than a second-time yeah. guest issue for most guests if you have an inadequate website your church does not exist
2: yep it's, that's pretty pretty uh condemning also, there you go but okay uh the signage was terrible i think that's this, the next one. this is good at um like especially thinking of us at church plants where we don't have our own building, inadequate parking signage directions to the entry of the church. You have to like make things very obvious for people. We've been accused of being um, high context so if you don't – like a low-context church explains everything for everyone. We've been accused of just assuming people know, and we have got to get better at that. I think a lot of churches do. That's number six. That's, the signage was terrible.
1: Well, you might feel convicted by number seven. I heard a lot of insider language in the worship oh! service, and then it just says, please avoid acronyms. But like under yeah. expecting people to know what you're talking about. Yeah. Number eight, the service was boring, and I didn't understand what was happening Fair. That's yeah. fair. Sure. Number nine, someone told me I was in their seat. <gasps> no. They said, yes, that still happens. Oh. I'm confident that would not happen in my church. But oh,
2: I would hope that wouldn't happen in my church. That Yikes. gets
1: to the hey, we we uh-huh. we do things a certain way uh-huh. here. You're an outsider. Number ten, the church facilities were messy and dirty. Yeah. That's a tough one, especially people like who don't have a lot of you know, we're, yeah. not, we're not outside agencies right. coming in and right. cleaning. That is a tough. Uh, one. so anyway. Aubrey, what is one thing we would tell a pastor out there, a church leader, whatever? What's a one takeaway?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the one kind of overarching takeaway is you almost have to like step outside of yourself and pretend like you're a new person and, and or in, invite a new person and be like, show me everything. Like, let me walk with church to you, walk to church with you so I can know from the parking lot to the kids to the service where we aren't thinking of newcomers and visitors
1: that's right that's right well that's good stuff to know we're glad you're joining us today on a monday stay with us as we continue the common good here on am 1160 hope for your life
2: The U.S. evacuation from Afghanistan one year later. And then, what makes a church culture healthy? You're listening to The Common Good. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Common Good on this Monday evening. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co host Brian Fromm, who is just, I just have to tell the people, he is like (laughs) nonstop noshing on candy throughout (laughs) the entire show. We We have a snack card here. He's now eating Heath. He had milk duds a few minutes ago. What's happening, Brian? I
1: I don't know. It's a sweet tooth today. (laughs) Uh, And uh, Debbie, who has the snack card here at the studio, I mean, it's as if she took an like my order for some of my favorite candies. So then you just can't turn them away, right? Like it would be almost it would be too much I to wish, be like. I'm I done. F-
0: I
2: feel like I should take a picture of Brian's side of the studio and post it on our social media. Cause you just see the candy wrappers? And uh, you look it's like a, a bit kid much on today, Halloween. But it's, it's... I'm enjoying my Monday,
1: and I'm going to talk really fast <laughs> so and really energetic. Your
2: energy is going to be really up That's until right. you fall asleep here in just a few minutes. Um, okay, Brian, let's move on from Candy to talk about something serious. I could not believe it when I was scrolling through the news this morning. Do you know that it has been one year since the U.S. left Afghanistan. I
1: would never have known that except I saw that on today's show today. And that's crazy. Think about this. You and I were doing a show back then. Yeah. And, uh, just think about the stuff we were talking about mm-hmm. back then. Uh, it's it's wild to think that in some ways it feels like a long time ago. Like I've mm-hmm. forgotten about it. And in yep. other ways, then you start hearing stories about what's going on still over there. And it really does hurt your heart, right? It really does bother you.
2: Yeah, I feel like that's been, you know, the biggest critique of the, at least the news stories that I've been following is how heartbreaking things still are over there. Mm -hmm. And a year ago, the Taliban captured Kabul as soon as uh, Kabul as soon as we left And basically things have not gotten better and uh, lots of people are talking about, especially for women, like the women of Afghanistan continue to be the most subjugated people on earth and other people are saying and the most courageous people on earth because of that. Um, And there's, you know, lots of military officials, lots of government leaders lamenting over what went wrong, what could have been done better, and you and I are not experts at all when it comes to this. It'd be nice to hear from a guy like Matt Sorens. In fact, if you're listening for more information, we really appreciate Matt Sorens at um, World Relief because he tends to Absolutely. have a very sort of level-headed perspective about this. But Brian, I I guess the question I'm wondering is: Here we are a year later. I would say many Americans and indeed Christians have moved on yes uh, unfortunately yes like the story happened we were very concerned we were praying for afghanistan we were posting about afghanistan and then just other crises happened in the world and again here a year later i'm going whoa has it been a year already and that was a little bit of a shock to my own system like oh i have not been faithful in praying for the christians there i have not been faithful in considering this nation uh what did you think when you realized it had been a year later
1: E- how quickly we move on to fit th- from yeah, things, yeah. right? I feel the same way about the war in the Ukraine. Like, I yes. don't w- think about when the war in the Ukraine began, and it was like, we've got to get on our knees and pray. Uh, we've got to, you know, it was all of mm-hmm. this stuff, and naturally, uh, things move on, you just kind of uh move yeah. on, and th- and that's sad, but it's just true,
0: yeah.
1: Um, and so uh when it comes to Afghanistan, you know, it it is just a reminder. Anytime there's an anniversary, it's a reminder of going, Man, there's still a church over there that, right. that's up against right. it. There's still the women there are are just terribly treated and yeah. terribly subjugated. Uh we need to be praying and we need to be supporting people who are doing work over there. I think it's a great reminder. Because we do, we become a forgetful people, and that's—I don't think we need to be, feel feel guilty about being forgetful. Mm, okay. It's natural, yeah, right. Things that don't don't intimately touch your your own life experience, you do forget, and you yeah. do move on because there's a lot to to go in your own life, and so I think it's just a reminder of going okay. We need to we need to pray. We need to get get involved again. We need to talk, you know, hear people like Matt Sorens and others. And mm-hmm. what could we do? The Afghanistan, like what's going on with the refugee crisis, all of these things. Yeah. I think it brings them back to top of mind.
2: Yeah, I, I was reading over at The New York Times as well, an opinion piece um, saying that initially the Taliban assured Afghans going back to the conversation about girls and women Um, that girls of all ages would attend public schools when they reopened last summer, but they have since gone back on that promise, talking about how there's no steady economy, that it's impossible to know what the future will look like, but that Afghans themselves need to be empowered to write it. And right now that's not happening. Thinking about all that and going back to what you're saying, Brian, just about how we move on, I think you're right. Like we can't. We can't feel guilty about the fact that we move on. In in some senses, that's a defense mechanism mm-hmm. we have. But I do think anniversaries like this give us an opportunity to remember yeah. and then to stop and to pray, especially if we've sort of forgotten to do that. It's an opportunity for us to go, oh, yeah, this horrific thing is happening across the world there are brothers and sisters in jesus Uh there we need to get back on our knees and pray i was over at um open doors which is an incredible organization uh writes a lot about the persecuted church um does a lot to bring stories about the persecuted church to the forefront and this was their prayer list for afghanistan a year ago Mm -hmm. i think it's just as powerful today here's what they say with the collapse of the government, the expansion of extremism, food shortages, and the raging pandemic, Afghanistan needs urgent prayer from the global church right now more than ever. The first thing they urge us to pray for is please please pray for the small group of believers in the country. They are walking on eggshells and uncertain who to trust. Pray that they find strength, wisdom, and supernatural peace in God's promise. Mm. The next thing they encourage us to pray for is the displaced A new wave of refugees, and we've seen this, is expected to come from Afghanistan to many parts of the Middle East and the rest of the world. Pray for God's protection and provision over them in their journeys. They say to pray for the women. Many women fear that Taliban rule means they will be stripped of opportunities for education. We're seeing that happening. Women involved in education during the past years could also be at risk. Pray for their protection. They say to pray for the sick. Though underreported in international media, COVID-19 cases, again, this was a year ago, but I'm imagining right. it's similar, spiking the country. Hospitals are limited in what they can offer. There's no certainty as to how the healthcare system will be able to sustain itself with a new Taliban government. Pray that the healthcare system will not collapse. And then they say this, pray that the country will not be a haven for extremists. The Taliban government mm. of 20 years ago are known enablers of extremist Islamic organizations. With their newfound control over Afghanistan, this country would be host to a new generation of terror groups. So those are good reminders, things that yes. we can pray for a year later for the groups of believers, the underground church in Afghanistan, the displaced, the women, the sick, and that um, these extremists that are running the nation would not do so any And it's, longer.
1: again, just a reminder of what's going on worldwide. Yeah. We love to say, oh, we here in the American church, uh, we're persecuted. We're not persecuted. Mm. We're inconvenienced. Oh, yes, we are." Right. It doesn't mean it's easy. It yep. doesn't mean that there's not things going on. Uh, but we're inconvenienced. Whereas uh, there are churches and groups of Christians around the world, including in Afghanistan, where it is life or death. Yeah, it is. Um, They are facing things that we've never faced. And so Mm -hmm. what do we do in these places of relative ease uh, where we have freedom of of worship? We pray and we support and we do what we can. And at the very least, we remember and go, okay, yeah, this is going on around there. And so I don't think we need to feel guilty about it, but I think it's a great time to just be reminded, hey, these things are going on around the world.
2: Yeah, and I'm so glad you said that about persecution because when you— when you think about what's happening to the Christians in Afghanistan or Christians that are being persecuted all over the world, you know, you learn more from an organization like Open Doors. You do go, OK, how dare we ever complain? Mm-hmm. I mean, I actually heard like a a kind of popular worship band recently saying, you know, we're being persecuted all the time here in America. And I was thinking, oh, please mm-hmm. stop. Please no. stop talking like no, you're not. Draw attention to the persecution, that, especially if you have that right. kind of platform over uh, overseas, in other parts of the world where actual persecution is happening. Let's get Christians passionate about that. Let's um, remember to be praying for the persecuted church. But today, let's just pause and say a prayer for those in mm-hmm. Afghanistan today. That somehow, even though it seems impossible, that God would have His way. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of churches, Brian, when we return, we're going to take a look at what makes a church healthy and what makes a church unhealthy. I'm sure you have some guesses. We have an author named Caitlin Beattie who is talking on social media about her kind of checklist of uh, Mm. what makes a church healthy, what makes it unhealthy. We'll talk about that when we return. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life.
0: You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your
1: life.
2: don't even know what to say, hey welcome everybody, back. welcome back to the common good, <laughs> my name is Aubrey Samson alongside my co-host Brian From. no hey everybody, welcome back to the common good, if you missed it we were uh, joking around with our producer about how I tried to match the bumper music that brings us into the show and he thought he'd play a little trick on us and I think that was an Irish diddy or uh, something, like a
1: little, like P Diddy,
2: a little violin, a little violin music for a leprechaun. Uh, anyway, welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host Brian Fine. We're so glad that you're with us, even if you're just going to laugh at us for uh, the ways that we entertain ourselves yes. here on The Common Good. All right, Brian, I asked you a question before we went to break. What's a parent parenting thing you said you'd never do? And then you had kids.
1: You know, I never thought that in their teenage years I'd let my kids smoke so early. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so I think for me, this one I, I'm going to go a little bit off of of what you said. Okay. I think if uh, if I were having kids now, I would be one of these guys. Like my kids will never have a phone when they're young. They'll never be on social yeah, media. Yeah. We're gonna and then you parent and you're like, no, I think they could use a phone right now. Or Eh, you know, let's just watch them on Instagram or all of these things. I think that I probably had many more idealistic things. Uh, so that's one. Um, I would say a second one uh, would probably be something like, uh, you know, I, I think – I probably had views back in the day of like, I'm going to be really strict with what they watch, with what they do. And you realize as they become teenagers, you got to quickly give them some space.
2: Isn't that true?
1: But I never thought, if you had asked me when my kids were two, three, four years old, will I be giving them kind of space and rope? I'd be like, no way. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be kind of in their life with everything. And you just kind of got to be a little more chill. How about you? I,
2: I was going to say the exact same thing. I, and in fact, you know, you see this happening from like first born to second born to third born. Like we just got way more lax about the things that they were watching. Like for instance, this is kind of a funny example, but we were like very particular about when our oldest who's now 16 could first watch Star Wars movies. Okay. And then once we had two other kids, we were just like, yeah, we're just going to watch all the Star Wars movies. Same with Harry Potter. Like there were just a True. few of those that we were just like, whatever, it's fine. We're just all going to watch them as a family. And I it is funny how you sort of like I also thought we would be very strict about certain things, and we're like, we, you give them space. You give them space. Okay, so here's why I asked this question because Courtney Ellis was on Twitter asking it, and I thought it was so funny. And here's some of the things that people said this is how they responded. Um, one, and I feel this way too. Uh, this person said they thought they would never offer my kid a different meal than we're having for supper, but now <laughs> easy Mac plus microwavable chicken is life that is so true there's
1: there's great truth to that because yeah, people kind of uh judge those parents when they don't know what uh-huh. when they haven't had themselves like. You know what? If we have salmon and we have asparagus, then little Johnny's going to have that, that. Too. And by like the second week, you're like, hey, I will quickly make you Kraft mac and cheese. Will you eat that? Yeah. And then, and then every adult's going, I'd kind of rather have the Kraft mac and cheese over there. And you get the, the, the chicken nugget mac <laughs> right, and cheese right, debate. Right. Oh, that is totally one. I'll run.
2: never forget. There was, it was before we had kids and there was this couple that had invited, I think a group of us over for dinner. And they got all this steak for the adults and they served the kids, you know, the mac and cheese chicken nugget dinner. And I can kind of remember being a little judgy, like <laughs> I can't believe they wouldn't allow their children. Like I saw it as they were like holding back from their kids, this like gift of steak and how dare they make their kids. And I'm like, what? Now that I have kids, I'm like, no nope. one. They weren't wasting the steak on their kids. That's they wouldn't right. appreciate it or the money. That's a funny one. Somebody said microwave nachos. Uh, another said, <laughs> video games. And here was her quote. Now take the switch and let mommy take a nap. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's so true.
2: Okay, this one's a little controversial, but they say use a toddler leash. I had to take a two-year-old through LAX without a stroller. And yep, I had a leash on him. Nope. Then later my younger I son walked away from a zoo. Uh, they said leash him up. I'd rather be judged than experience I'm that judging fear the, again.
1: I'm judging the toddler leash. I think that comes back to... Um, that is going to come back and haunt them at some yeah, point. Yeah, I don't
2: like a toddler leash either cuz I don't like they're not animals.
1: And people who might be like what is a toddler leash? It's a leash attached to your toddler. It's a dog
2: leash that you attach to your It is kid. essentially it. <laughs> right. So yes. Uh, okay, this one says I was a priest. I was a pre-K teacher before I had kids and was super judgy. I would say I'll never carry my 4-year-old down the hall. They can walk on their own, I said. Then she said, I carry my babies as long as I
0: can.
2: <laughs> that was kind of a sentimental one. Okay, um, here's over at MommyNearest.com. They have 21 things that we foolishly said we'd never do as parents. One, by prepackaged baby food. I do remember a time, I don't know if this was true for like the moms. You'll have to tell me, Brian, or the dads. But there was a whole thing about how moms were like, we were only supposed to like make our own baby food and I never, I was like, I'm never making my own baby food. Oh, I will I remember always choose baby convenience. food. Yeah, yeah, there was a whole thing about it. You kind of had some mom guilt if you didn't.
1: So that brings up a different thing. Sorry to take us on a tangent. Go I don't understand you moms and the uh, who have like little two-year-olds, say, or baby, mm-hmm. who lecture other moms on how they should mom.
2: Yeah, it's very annoying. I want to be like,
1: I have one job as a parent. Just mm-hmm. to make sure that one makes it to tomorrow. right. <laughs> And
2: <laughs> and that's hard. If
1: that means they sleep in the bed with me, okay. Right. Then you go let them cry it out. I'm not, right. not going to judge you. That's okay. If you want to wear cloth diapers and make baby food... Go get, Go get your it. Amish cell phone. Yes. That's great. Go for it. Let me buy my ones that are gonna end up in a landfill and mm-hmm. get a Gerber. Right. Uh it's like mom dads never do this. No, but moms do, and you're No, right. they write books and blogs. It's wild. And it's like this mom guilt. And you're it like is. Dads it never, is. ever, ever do that. You're they just like don't good luck. Man. That. No.
2: Yeah, you it's moms so... gotta calm down no, no, with no. that. Even the way even the way we gave birth at, was like yes. subject for judgment. Like, if you're not doing an all-natural birth at home, blah, 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 you're not—I mean, it's crazy the things that women do to one another. And, I mean, I had a fallout with some friends from college because— They, I'm like, you choose what you want to choose. But once you start making me feel guilty for my choices, like, I look, being a new mom is hard enough. I don't need this on me. So you're right, Brian.
1: I just don't understand that about moms. It's a really a mom thing. It is a mom thing. And then, all right, this is grinds my gears is what this is turning into. (laughs) Because then you get the mom who has their first child and they start writing facebook and blog posts when their kid is like 6 months old lecturing other people about how the right way to parent mm. is. You're like
2: you Just don't know. Just
1: slow wait. down. Just wait. You don't slow know. Slow down. Yeah, that's
2: true. Okay, here's some other things that parents said that they would never do. Uh, lose their temper. <laughs> Join the PTA. Okay. Switch on kids TV. I would say that's the same thing as like, uh, you know, turning on, yep. handing them a device or whatever. This one's a funny one. Buy plastic toys. I did have some friends who were very committed to like only eco-friendly wooden toys. And I was like, I'm not doing sure. That. I'm sorry.
1: They're going to chew on those. Right.
2: Uh, give them an iPad. Okay. Pander to their fussiness over food. This is what we kind of talked about. Sometimes it's easier just to give them the hot dog with yep. no bun than force them to eat a bun if they don't want it. Use screen time to get free time. Uh, go part time for work.
1: Screen time is the best babysitter Screen there was when we were kids. Best were little
2: babysit- I mean, sometimes that was the only time you could literally could like take a shower if they could watch something or play with a device. Uh, some people from the city said they'd never move to the suburbs. Oh, they, everyone they kids.
1: with kids moves to the suburbs. Yep,
2: it's so true. Uh, Mom boasts on social media, get a minivan. I was actually with a friend over the weekend who had a <sighs> minivan, and she was one of those who said she would never get one. Take them on airplanes. Um, weren't you like, I feel like I was very judgy of whiny kids on airplanes until I had my own kids.
1: That is true. I I do have more, um, compassion now for the whiny kid. I still sometimes want to be like when you don't see them actually trying to deal with it. Yeah. I want to be like, hey, come on, come on, we're all we're all going to be there for yeah, you, you just, but can you at least you deal at least with it? You at got to try, yeah. like, a
2: little bit. Yeah, that's true. Um, uh, another another thing that parents said they would never do, use anything to clean their faces, like use your spit or whatever. <laughs> 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 that's so true. Uh, some people said they swore they would never bring their kids into bed with them because, you know, co-sleeping is a bad parenting no-no.
1: We co-slept with all, slept with all of our kids.
2: Well, and what, my sister has a baby and some people are getting on to her about Co-sleeping, and I'm like, girl, if your baby sleeps and you're sleeping, just do that's it. That's like, right. Just People are like, aren't sleep. you afraid
1: you're gonna roll on your kid? Like, no. That's not
2: a thing. You're not my, gonna My
1: roll. dog sleeps on her bed. I right. don't roll on my dog. <laughs> you're
2: not gonna roll over your kid. Here's one, Brian. Do you say because I said so? Yeah. Yeah. That's when yeah. the parents said they never would say. Well, I never said I would kids.
1: never say that because like that is a right of parenting.
2: It's a right of parenting. I am
1: your gonna... parent. I'm telling you what to do. You do it.
2: So that's what so I always got mad at my parents for saying because I said so because I felt like it wasn't a reason. And so I would always say, I will never say that to my kids, but what I realized when I became the parent, it it the point is it's because I, the adult, said it. I'm your parent, therefore yeah. you should do what I say. So the reason is because you obey the authority in your house. So I say because I said so. I just because yeah. I said so. Yep. Yes. Um, here's a funny one. Not caring if I'm out of shape and my breath smells and my legs are hairy.
1: Yeah, I, I don't care about any of those yeah. on me, especially the hairy <laughs> you legs. Don't? But the uh The old dad bod is a wonderful thing.
2: Okay, the last one, I said I would never let them eat in my car. Do you let your kids eat in your car? Do you and Carrie do that when they were little anyway?
1: Aubrey, we once removed one of our um, car seats from our van. Yeah. And found an entire McDonald's burger. <laughs> Under the car seat. So, yes, we let our kids eat in their car seats all the time. Yes. So,
2: so there was like an entire,
1: like, Carrie was like, there is a McDonald's (laughs) cheeseburger under the car seat right now. Oh,
2: man. Yes. So good. Yes. Yes, You let them do it. Okay. So, Brian, you don't know this, but I put this as our social media water cooler question. Oh, let's hear from everybody. Because I want to hear from you, listeners. What's a parenting thing you said you'd never do? And then you had kids. Let us know. We are at Common Good Talk on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And we'll talk about your answers later on this week. All right, coming up next, how do you overcome fear of what other people think? You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life.
0: You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life.
2: Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to The <laughs> Comic Good.
0: Keith My name is playing the game well I mean, our,
2: our executive producer, Keith Conrad, is killing me today with this intro music my name is Aubrey Sampson with my co-host Brian from how was that was not that good. okay no, no really? you were not
1: on beat nothing because no. Aubrey if you missed it before Aubrey said whatever the music is that's kind of her vibe and so Keith has been testing been that testing. on you it's
2: very entertaining yes. actually but that I just start bursting into laughter when we start the show that's mm. not very professional Nope. I'm gonna try my cool radio voice again and see if it's better nope hey no, everybody <laughs> you try you try, cool radio voice, Brian. Hey, everybody. Uh, oh, yes, yes.
1: Welcome was, back to the common good.
2: Yours was actually pretty good. AM
1: 1160. Man. Hope for your life.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm a little bit jealous. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, if you're totally confused, my name is Aubrey Sampson. I'm alongside my co-host, Brian Fromm. We are having fun today. Look, it is the end of the show. And at the end of every show, we like to bring you something that is encouraging or inspiring and uh, it's also Monday, so we mm-hmm. need to put a smile on your face because it's a little bit, we're looking outside right now, it's a little bit of an overcast Monday. You need something enjoyable to think about as you're driving home or making dinner or running your errands or catching up on the podcast. So I'm going to read something about overcoming the fear of what other people think okay. by our friend Nona Jones, not to be confused with the singer Nora Jones. Correct. Nona Jones, uh, she's in charge of all things faith at what used to be Facebook, is now Meta. Um, and I, I want to share some of it with you and then let you respond, Brian. But here's what she says. Fear of other people. If we're honest, fear of what other people think constantly keeps us from living life to the fullest. Mm. Maybe you love dancing, but you stand on the perimeter of a dance floor and watch others have fun because you have been told you don't have rhythm. Maybe you have a business idea, but you've never acted on it because you tried launching a business before and it failed. The idea of having people question your decision making paralyzes you, or maybe you feel like God has called you to preach, but your speech impediment makes you afraid to speak in front of people out of fear of being judged. So much of what we don't do can be traced back to a desire for approval by other people. Let's start right there for just a minute. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that? And would you say that's something you wrestle with? It's, fear of what other people yeah, think.
1: Yeah, it's certainly a struggle. I think first of all it was described very well there. Like yeah. uh what is it that brings about the the fear uh of of, of what other people think, right? You're sitting there and you asked, to I struggle with this. I struggle with this much more with things that I care about. Interesting. So it's not like the am I standing on the on the I don't get embarrassed easy, like oh, if I'm dancing, people are going to make fun yeah. of me, or uh, I don't get nervous like when I go up to speak or whatever else it might be. But what it does, what it is, is uh, things that I care about. Mm. Like I want people at my church to like me or yeah. to think well of me. I want yeah. my family, like all these types of things, and those aren't bad things, yeah. um, but they they are uh, they can become paralyzing at certain times for yeah. sure.
2: She also says that um, she would venture to say, this is again, Nona Jones talking about the fear of other people, what they think. She says, she, I would venture to say that the cemetery is the wealthiest place on earth. Mm. So many people have died with unrealized potential hopes and dreams still trapped on the inside of them out of fear of what people would say if they acted on them. And this fear can be directly traced back to toxic comparison. Mm. She says, we fear people's opinions because when we look around us, we see examples of other people excelling at the things we desire to do. Mm -hmm. We disqualify ourselves before even trying because we believe people will wonder what we're trying to do, something that someone else is better at. But this is a lie of toxic comparison. And it's a lie that robs us of purpose every single day. I, I really appreciated that she pointed that out because I do think... There are times when so many of us, oh, I don't need to, I I don't know, whatever it is that God has put on your heart. I I don't need to start that not-for-profit, or I don't need Mm -hmm. to start mentoring that person. I don't need to write that book, or I don't need to lead that thing, or I don't need to, whatever it is. I mean, there's so many categories of this, because so-and-so has already done it. Mm -hmm. I feel like I hear that a lot, um, especially for people who come to me and they want writing advice. Well, I shouldn't write that because so-and-so has already written it, and they've already sold this many copies of it. Mm. And yeah, sure, that person may be already doing it, but they're not doing it in your voice, and they're not doing it with your story, and they're not doing it in the unique way that God has equipped you to do it in your specific community and context. And so I do think it's interesting that this lie of toxic comparison doesn't just make us feel bad about ourselves when we compare ourselves to other people, but it robs us of our purpose. Yeah.
1: yeah. And chances are really high, really high that I'm never going to be the best at anything.
2: Isn't that true? Right.
1: But that, that you know, so if that's the bar, well, mm-hmm. somebody else was a better speaker. Oh no. Somebody else was a better writer. Yeah. Somebody else had better ideas for starting a church. Somebody's church is bigger. So mm-hmm. that's paralyzing. That's just yeah. like, you know What? why then go and do anything no no expand yourself try new things and recognize this goes back to the book you wrote that ultimately uh we find our um you know everything about who we are is anchored in who god mm. says that we yeah. are and we can hold on to that yeah. like that that's the most important thing
2: yeah that's so good here's i'm just going to keep sharing what she says cuz i think her words have so much wisdom If you found yourself shrinking your potential down to fit the small size of people's low opinion of you, take heart. You will never see the fullness of your purpose until you push yourself outside of your comfort zone and tread into the uncharted territory God calls you to. And know this, God never calls you into comfortable places because he doesn't get glory from what you do in your comfort zone. He gets glory from what you do when you feel uncomfortable and unqualified for the task. That one is always interesting to me because I always want to be like, oh, that means I have Mm -hmm. to do it if it makes me uncomfortable. But I think the reality of what Nona Jones is saying here is if you are being called to something that makes you feel insecure, uncomfortable, ultimately, going back to what you were just saying, Brian, Mm -hmm. it's because it's really not about you. It's about what God is doing in you and through you. And then God does get all the glory and it doesn't become about you building your own name but about glorifying his name. That's right. And I think that's a a beautiful word. Let me read you the last thing she says. Yes, people will think you shouldn't do it, but the calling God placed on your life will only be activated by securing your identity to what God has said. Stand confident in who God made you to be. People's approval shifts as quickly as the currents of the sea. God's approval of you was set before you were formed in your mother's womb, Mm. according to Jeremiah 1, 5, I feel like that's so encouraging. So, Brian, for the listener out there who is feeling like, man, their security is not in who God has said they are, but in the currents of the sea of other people's yeah. approval, what, what's something you would say to them?
1: Know who you are in Christ. Yeah. Jesus, you know, he came and redeemed and forgives. And now it says that we've been adopted into God's family. He calls us his children. Mm. Uh, and, and there's nothing greater. There's nothing greater that we could ever accomplish than that. And so that can give us then freedom to go forth and to, and to live as, as he has the opportunities he's put before us. So yeah. There's a freedom there that yeah. says, okay, I'm going to try new things. Yeah. I'm going to fail. I'm going to do this mm-hmm. and that. And, and that's okay. That's okay. Like, we're not trying to prove ourselves uh, in order that God that God will uh, accept us. We've oh, been accepted so in Christ.
2: Yeah, and I, I think the other word is this doesn't have to be a big thing. Like, Brian and I talk yeah. about this a lot in the Common Good. A small, faithful life lived for God. Loving your family, loving your neighbor. Man, doing that for God's glory, you'll see some powerful things happen. That's right. Happen. All right, well, if you struggle with fear... Of other people, just know that God loves you. We'll be back again tomorrow from 4 to 6 p.m. For Brian Fromm, i Aubrey Sampson. You've been listening to The Common Good.